0: You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember my Delta eight from the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta eight is Delta eight THC offering a semi sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta nine THC resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebles and my Delta eight offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in folks, both Ebels and my Delta eight. 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at The Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebles and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Evils and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines. Simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Evils and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of The Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom! Discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout You get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. We can become great at doing the, the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have been amazing at doing that. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamental fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, thank you for joining us on another fun-filled episode. Of course, I am your humble host. And thank you for joining us today. Now, first and foremost, did you miss Yesterday's episode of The Brian Nickel Show, don't forget we are daily seven days a week. Make sure you hit that notification button so you're not missing a single episode because it's seven days a week. It's a lot. But going back to yesterday, Jeremy Todd, you had another phenomenal sales solo episode, and uh, you learned how chocolate cake could make you better at sales? I promise. Go listen to yesterday's episode, Jeremy Knox it absolutely out of the park. But going on to today's episode, yes, we're here to talk to the one and only Carrie McDonald. Now, she has joined the program to outline specifically the things we've talked about with Tiffany Justice, Corey DeAngelis, and the other folks fighting the good fight as it pertains to education policy. And looking at the 5 million plus kids who have been pulled out of the public schools in the past year, Carrie digs into number one, What's happening with all these mandates, all these mandates taking place right now across the United States and the direct implications of those mandates on the kids? Number two, the long term behavioral outcomes of kids and their development, not being able to see uh, people's faces, especially younger children. What is the long term implications there? And three, what's happening right now with all these kids? Getting out of the school system. I, and I know I mentioned 5 million. What are the prospects, though, look like for all these kids heading down the line? Will we be seeing more people leave the schooling systems as uh, we move forward? You have to listen to today's episode. So, with that being said, on to the show. Kerry McDonald here on The Brian Nichols Show.
1: It's great to be with you, Brian. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. I know we had you scheduled a couple of weeks back, but you, like millions of other Americans, you got hit in your household with the dreaded coronavirus. But thankfully, it didn't hit you too hard because as we were talking beforehand, it was mostly your kids and your kids, they fought right through it, as are the millions of other kids. Uh, with it. And this is why we need to have this conversation today, because- the numbers of folks out there who are at an all-time level 10 intensity paranoia level that the kids are going to be dying en masse i'm seeing it on social media i can almost guarantee you're seeing it, as are the the you know thousands of folks who are listening with us today so let's talk to you know some of those folks out there who they're trying to combat the hysteria carrie but first before we go there, let's introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience. They can see here on the YouTube channel. Uh, You're a senior fellow at Fee, but also, what kind of what got you specifically looking at these issues as it pertains not just to uh, the, the parental rights, but the rights of the kids themselves, Carrie?
1: Yeah, I'm a, a great, again, great to be with you, Brian. I'm a senior education fellow at the Foundation for Economic Education, Fee.org, which is the country's oldest libertarian think tank, founded in 1946. Uh, celebrating our 75th year anniversary this year. I'm also an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, and I write frequently at Forbes on education policy issues. And I'm the author most recently of the book Unschooled: Raising Curious, Well-Educated Children Outside the Conventional Classroom, that was published in 2019, but's actually gained quite a bit of interest and popularity over the past year and a half. As so many families uh, have been really looking for other education options beyond their assigned government school uh, in the wake of school shutdowns and various pandemic policies that continue to really uh, make an impact on uh, school, even this year, when we thought that things were sort of calming down and schools were reopening for full time in person learning. Uh, it's these mask wars and now new vaccine mandates for students that I think we'll talk about are really having parents uh, think differently about how their kids are educated.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, Carrie, I'm, I'm hearing it from a lot of people who they got their first vaccine and well, I say the first vaccine, they got, they got the vaccinated in the, the first kind of like round of people when they started to have the uptick in vaccinations. And really the mentality as I've been having the conversation with them has been, I kind of thought I was gonna get my life back. I thought that with the vaccine that would kind of be the gateway into some normality because at that point now i am protected with the vaccine and then you know it, i can make the choice i mean you're seeing right now even the delta uh, variant even if you do get one of those breakthrough cases your your you know chance of, of having some type of catastrophic outcome are just you know of the absolute minutia. so it's it's one of those situations where if you, you've you had the chance to get vaccinated, you you have that opportunity and you likely have. And if you've not gotten vaccinated, you're probably not going to. So we see right now, well, I say we even saw back then that was kind of the the you know turning point. I thought, OK, this is the moment we can kind of go back to some type of real life. And now we see, oh, that's not the case. And I'm seeing a lot of people who, to the point you were saying before, they were kind of OK with. Okay, well, we're going to be protecting, you know, the kids. We're we're you being rational, but now things aren't making sense. We're seeing the hysteria just start to to blow out of proportion. So let's start off with you know probably the most draconian approach that we've seen, and that is LA, the yeah. largest school district in the United States, requiring how old kids to get vaccinated if they want to go to school, Carrie. Yeah,
1: the vaccine is currently approved only for kids 12 and older, and LA uh, is the the country's second largest school district, but the first major school district to mandate the COVID-19 vaccine for all eligible students uh, at this point, ages 12 and older. And uh, this happened last Thursday, the school board voted unanimously, Uh, one board member recused himself because he's a Pfizer board member. Uh, But other than that, the entire school board voted uh, to implement this coercion on um, what amounts to about 460,000 students. Uh, There's about 600,000 in the overall district, 460,000 12 and older that are now mandated to get this Vaccine, they have to do that by the end of the calendar year uh, or participate in uh, district run remote schooling. If they participate in sports or other extracurricular activities, the students have until the end of October to be fully vaccinated. Um, and you know, one of the things I mentioned, you know, you have here on the screen my my most recent fee.org article about this topic. Uh, you know, one of the things, thankfully, that's been really, I think, a saving grace with COVID is that uh, it largely spares children. And I can <laughs> speak to that as you mentioned from personal experience. My son brought COVID home from summer camp this summer, and it had hit my four kids, and was, uh, you know, honestly, the most mild thing that I think they've ever had. They had like a 99 degree fever and a headache for 24 hours. So, so, you know, in the realm of colds and viruses that they've had uh, in their childhood, this was, you know, really probably the most mild uh, one that they've ever had, thankfully. And that's true for the vast majority of kids. Uh, In fact, Professor Marty McCary at Johns Hopkins University has done research showing that, um, you know, of the, the very small number of young people, of children who died uh, of COVID in 2020, um, most of them, I think all of them, he said, had significant underlying uh, conditions. So zero healthy children, according to Marty B. Carey. This was written up in the Wall Street Journal a couple of months ago. Uh, zero healthy children died from COVID last year in his sample. Um, and even kids who had asthma or um, other, you know, conditions that might typically make a respiratory illness problematic, thankfully uh, were not impacted heavily by COVID. Um, so really, you know, he said that the kids that died, you know, had things like leukemia or, you know, significant congenital um, Uh, underlying conditions that exacerbated their condition. And even then, um, you know, data show that the seasonal flu killed more children in 2020 than uh, COVID. So any death of a child is, is of course, tragic. But when we're looking at these policies, we're not mandating the flu vaccine uh, in most school districts. And yet um, it seems that it's now reasonable for these school districts to propose coercing parents to give their kids the COVID vaccine. Uh, and, and certainly parents are outraged, Many, rightfully so. Many parents are speaking out against this and saying that, um, that the data just don't support the coercion underlying these mandates. In fact, one of the things that I mentioned in this Fee.org org article about the Los Angeles schools mandating the the vaccine is this came at the same time that a new uh, medical preprint study in the US came out last week um, showing that um, children, especially young boys are six times more likely uh, to end up with a cardiac adverse event, such as myocarditis from the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, than are to be hospitalized for a natural infection with COVID. So six times more likely. Uh, And it's just, and of course, both, thankfully, are extremely rare. Um, But if we're, again, comparing risks and benefits, uh, it's more likely, particularly for young boys, that they would have an adverse reaction from the vaccine than they would being hospitalized with COVID. Um, And I think this is what a lot of medical professionals, physicians are pointing out. So last week, a scientific advisory board in the UK came out recommending against uh, vaccination of children, um, 12 and older, saying that, again, the benefits don't outweigh the risks. Uh, And they pointed out that they were concerned with some of these myocarditis and cardiac adverse events that were occurring in young children.
0: Wow. Well, and this is the thing I think we hear a lot from the the folks who are scared is that, well, Carrie, we just don't know what we just don't know. And yet there are things we can look at and say, well, listen, your fears of the unknown. We have fears of the known and the fears we're having right now are the direct impact of, number one, these lockdowns. But number two, just the, the restrictive mandates and, and, and regulations you're putting on kids, what is this going to do to kids right now? We're seeing depression rates skyrocket. We have substance abuse skyrocketing and not even mentioning the, the behavioral aspects of kids trying to learn, you know, just looking at faces, smiling, you, you know, small children. There's so much right now that's that's holding them back in this society. And what are we going to see right now from that direct negative consequence and i think we're starting to have a lot of parents say enough like right. we my my kids they're not a thing to be toyed around with you can't just put their lives on pause we can't do that and to your point this it, we're not mandating vaccinations for the normal flu for kids despite it actually ending up killing more kids i mean that's that's mind blowing that that's the actual stat and yet here we are having this conversation I, I i i'm scared sometimes because i think how can we have something just so so obvious just so you know just plainly obvious that the the hype the hyperness that's been focused on just getting people scared like almost the fear porn of, of sorts that that has been the driving narrative and there are so many people who buy this narrative hook lion sinker what are we missing with these folks
1: yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a couple of really good points. Um, the first really is that the government response to the coronavirus will shape this young generation in profound ways, I think in a lot of negative ways. And we won't, we won't really see the full implication of these lockdown policies, the social isolation, the mask wearing and so on on these kids, um, you know, potentially for decades, we're starting to see, as you suggest, that uh, mental health has deteriorated, uh, particularly in studies that came out in 2020 showing that during the various rounds of lockdowns, uh, suicidal ideation went up dramatically, that uh, hospital admissions for suicidal ideation were uh, increasing at a rapid rate, higher than previous years when they were already increasing prior to the pandemic, and this just exacerbated it, and overall just... Uh, feelings of anxiety, depression, anything that would really have result from being disconnected from our social networks, from the people, places, and things around us. This was certainly felt by adults as well, but had, uh, but really had, I think, a prof- profound impact on kids who really bore the brunt of these lockdown policies. Despite, again, thankfully, not being. Uh, seriously harmed generally from COVID and you know it's really heartbreaking to to think about this some of it of course you know we can attribute to school closures that separated kids from their communities but I think it wasn't really so much the fact that kids weren't in school it's that they were completely disconnected from their peers Uh, They weren't able to interact with their friends. They weren't able to do fun things together, uh, participate in sports and extracurricular activities or go to public places. Uh, So it was really that kind of impact, that sort of separation from their larger communities that I think has really led to this problem. And now, you know, we see this continuing into this fall with mandatory mask wearing in many school districts across the country. Um, babies now, you know, young, young, not so much babies, but young children uh, masking, uh, I think, you know, ages two and up. Uh, and in fact, one of the things that I thought was, you know, just most um sort of indicative I suppose of the constantly changing narrative from these quote-unquote experts came from the American Academy of Pediatrics that uh, came out basically saying, well it's okay that young children don't see facial expressions they don't really need to that's sort of overrated. And of course as any parent knows, you know this is how children learn how young children um, build those kinds of social connections, build relationships, kind of become more familiar with the world around them is through these nonverbal cues that they're now being um distanced from and so you know there's just so much that we've done to children we've done to teenagers and young adults and i think again we won't really see the true impact of these policies um for another decade or two
0: i don't mean to be that guy but we have to look at the headlines here because we're recording on on Monday this episode's gonna be airing on Wednesday and the headlines today were the generation and I would say we're we're gonna talk about the the older kids right the kids in college what were they chanting this past weekend at all these college football games F Joe Biden everywhere and Mm. it it struck me you're hearing these just ginormous hundred thousand plus stadiums of general Zers just chanting F Joe Biden in, you know, pretty much unanimously. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty loud. I mean, you're, 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 it's actually kind of shocking. And I'm, I'm actually like kind of inspired if, if I can say that because I didn't expect that from yeah. Gen Z. I, yeah. I honestly didn't, especially with it being a Democrat president. But I think and I said this to one of my employees because uh, he, had, he had asked me because he knows I'm you know, w- pretty into the loop with stuff. And he's like, ask, he's getting nervous about seeing all these restrictions starting to come back into place. And he's like, do you think they'll lock down again, Brian? And I said, you know what? Damn it all. I hope they do. And he's like, what? And I was like, because you need to get mad. Like you need to see the pain and feel the pain and actually act on it. It can't just be enough for you to be annoyed. You have to actually like get angry. And seeing this past weekend, and I think this is in direct response to how a lot of colleges, I just had uh, last week, uh, Trent Ortner, they're doing a big uh, protest with Young Americans for Liberty and Students for Liberty back at, uh, uh, actually, I'll uh, come up here in October, October 11th, I believe. It's a national wide day of protest against all these crazy mandates that colleges are going to be doing to, to you know, these kids, like not giving you Wi-Fi if you're not vaccinated. That was an actual story of like what these colleges are going to be doing. So I think yeah. you're starting to see a lot of people pushing back and let's now bring that down to the, the, you know, high school, middle school, elementary school level. We saw this past year, I would say some of the largest numbers of parents getting their kids out of the monopoly of the public schooling system and saying, you know what? Nope. We're, we're going to start either a, just finding other solutions or b supporting, you know, funding students and not systems, the yeah. school choice mentality, looking at what you know, really, Corey D'Angelo has been doing so well. So that is inspiring. Let's talk about that, though, Carrie. What has been in your your world, and you're talking to parents and such, the direct reason for them wanting to bring their kids out of schools? And then what are they doing in response to, you know, they have them out of schools, where are they now going in return?
1: Right. Um, so a couple of things. First, I'll, I'll respond to your note about uh, college football games. It's encouraging <laughs> to hear. Um, college students finally finding their voice and pushing back against these policies. I think you're right that some of it has to do with the vaccination policies on campus. But a lot of it is that these, many of these colleges have just gone so far beyond any kind of reasonable uh, pandemic control measures that students are finally waking up and saying, this makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I think of, for example, Amherst college out in Western Massachusetts Um, Not only do they require mandatory vaccination for all students and staff, but they were also coming out saying you had to be fully masked. You had to be social distanced. There was no cafeteria time. There were no opportunities for kind of uh, in-person socialization. And I think a lot of kids are just saying, come on, you know, we've jumped through all of your hoops. Enough is enough now. Uh, So it is uh, encouraging, again, to hear that maybe the tide is turning and that college students can lead some of these protests. That's good to hear. And I think it's a good sign. Um, You know, that maybe college students can kind of reclaim liberty and uh, and start to realize that government has overstepped its bounds, um, far overstepped its bounds over the past 18 months. And and it's up to kind of this rising generation to begin to uh, appreciate the uh, ideals of individual liberty, limited government, uh, free markets and, and prosperity. Uh, so that is is encouraging. Now, in terms of K to 12, which is sort of my area of um, focus in education, there really has been a mass exodus from government schools over the past year. Nationwide, uh, public school districts lost three percent on average of their uh, uh Student body that was either families switching over to private schools or parochial schools that were more likely to reopen for full time in person learning than government schools were, uh, or they switched over to homeschooling, or they delayed school entry for young kids. Um, What we saw really was that homeschooling doubled, according to the most recent U.S. Census Bureau data that came out in February. Homeschooling doubled in 2020 alone uh, to now more than five million students or more than 11 percent of the overall U.S. K-12 school age population being homeschooled. And the largest driver of that homeschooling growth last year came from black homeschooling families that experienced a five fold increase in homeschooling numbers in 2020 and are now overrepresented in the national homeschooling population compared to their representation in the public school student body. So (laughs) So really
0: quick, Carrie, I I, I'm so sorry. I have to interrupt because rewind about mm, three, three, two, three years ago. I forget. I got into a, uh, I wouldn't say an argument, a very, passionate discussion we'll say that with a very dear friend and they work in the public schooling system and they were you know appalled that I would support school choice and one of the main reasons was because Brian it's racist and oh my god like the fact that that number five times that's it's huge care and the fact that they're now that that you have black Americans now overrepresenting yeah. versus their that's phenomenal because that completely destroys that argument and shows when it comes to actually like looking at where the students are going to be getting the most value parents know best and they're okay. taking advantage of it I didn't mean to interrupt please sorry continue yeah, no,
1: it's absolutely true so now in the in the u.s homeschooling population more than 16 percent of the u.s homeschool population uh, identifies as black and that compares to about 15 15- Percent in the K to twelve public school population, so wow. overrepresented, um, and overall, the, the the current homeschooling population is really reflective of the overall. Uh, US population demographically, geographically, socioeconomically, ideologically. um, It's as diverse in the homeschooling population as our uh, kind of larger American population is. So, so much growth there. And you're absolutely right that in addition to this growth in uh, homeschooling and in looking at private education options and the kind of exodus from government schools, there's been growing parental support and taxpayer support for school choice policies. In fact, the record high numbers, according to the most recent Real Clear Opinion Research polling, uh, showing more than 70% of taxpayers support school funding following the child instead of funding these bureaucratic school systems that uh, have just not at all met Uh, parents' needs, certainly over the last 18 months. So, you know, in that way, I think that there are some silver linings. I'll say another silver lining in the way of education that I think has come to light over the past 18 months is the tremendous growth in education entrepreneurship. So as parents really, I think, got a close-up look through district Zoom schooling back in the spring of 2020 at what was happening in their kids' schools and a lot of what they saw they didn't like, um, they started to realize that there might be other ways their kids could be educated. Uh, and we saw the rise of pandemic pods or these learning pods that kind of sprouted in 2020 and was a, you know really a takeoff of the kind of micro school movement that had been gaining traction prior to the pandemic. And that has continued to accelerate over the past year and a half. And a lot of companies have begun to sprout to support that model. So, for example, I think of a company called GetSchoolhouse.com, that connects families that want to create this sort of multi-family, multi-age uh, learning pod or home-based microschool for their kids, uh, and they'll connect those families with a certified teacher to lead these pods. And they just raised over $8 million in venture capital funding as a startup in April of this year. So there's, uh, you know, I think a lot of growth. I just wrote recently at Forbes um, last week about another company called KaiPod Learning, which is based here in Boston where I am. They're currently participating in the prestigious Y Combinator Startup Accelerator Program. So they're on path to receive some really great startup funding. And they do the same kind of thing of, bringing kids together uh, in these multi-age spaces, physical spaces to learn together and have adults facilitating, but uh, <laughs> in you know a kind of private, affordable, out-of-school learning model.
0: I was writing down notes because that 70% number, we have to really focus on that because if 70% of parents support funding students, not systems, And we see that this educational entrepreneurship, which I love that term, by the way, that that is a growing area, that it just reinforces the idea of why, candidly, we're doing what we're doing here in the program, and that is solutions-based sales, it wins. And the reason it wins is because instead of having to convince people that your ideas are right, you just simply show them the outcomes. You say, look at what we're doing do you want to take part in this? Do you want to have the opportunity to have your kid have the best education possible? And every parent's going to say, of course. And okay. instead of saying, well, okay, do you want to support your school here in the public schooling mentality and your support, your teachers instead, now we're just giving the, the parents the power to go ahead and make sure that money's following their students directly. That's a different argument. It's And it's not even an argument at that point. Now it's just a matter of saying, this just makes sense, and the best type of sales, Carrie. This is why you know I, I again wanted to make sure we did this type of approach in the show. The best type of sales is when you don't even feel you ha- you're being sold to. You just feel that the person that you're talking to is helping you along the journey, and really, it just makes sense. That and that's the end of the day. It just makes sense. So. Let's do this. As we go towards the tail end of the conversation, I want to give you the final platform, Carrie. What would you want folks to take away from the conversation today as it pertains to not just looking at funding students and systems, but truly looking at the impact of the kids That's uh, for what the past year and a half plus going into question mark into the future? What should we be taking away here?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I'll just uh, respond to what you were just mentioning earlier about the again the growth in support for school choice policies. We've seen many states over the past year uh, implement or expand various school po- school choice policies at the state level, and I think it really makes a lot of sense uh, because EdChoice has done some really great surveying, for example, on what parents want from their child's education. And they found that while about 80% of kids attend an assigned government school, uh, only about a third of their parents would prefer them there. So there is this enormous choice gap between where kids are currently being educated and what their parents actually want and prefer for their education. And I think a lot of education entrepreneurs are recognizing this gap and are rising to the challenge to meet that demand for schooling alternatives Uh, and other kinds of innovative learning models. So I'm really excited about that. I really think that this could be a transformational moment in American education, where more and more families realize they have other options that are accessible, that are affordable uh, beyond an assigned district school, and they are increasingly uh, opting out of those government schools. You know, go back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of the, the show at Los Angeles, implementing their vaccine mandate. Interestingly enough, Uh, California had last year an overall statewide exodus from district schools of 3% right around the national average, Um, but Los Angeles uh, public schools had the the state's largest exodus uh, from their district schools last year, 4.8% decline in public school enrollment. And so Hmm. I think now that you're seeing this vaccine mandate for COVID come in for LA students, it will be interesting to see how many more parents will flee that system.
0: Carrie McDonald, the book is Unschooled Raising Curious, Well Educated Children Outside the Conventional Classroom. You can go ahead and find it over on Amazon. We'll make sure we include that link in the show notes and folks of course, go ahead. Just click the little podcast artwork. It brings you right to the Brian Nichols show website. Not only can you find today's episode with the show notes, but the entire transcript of the episode as well as Carrie's bio, along with all of her links as well. With that being said, Carrie McDonald, thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Brian Nichols show. Oh, thanks again, Brian. Appreciate it. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is firmly raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual Science of the Pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docuseries highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates, follow the science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the liberty movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docu series one more time. That's com forward slash follow the science. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Carrie McDonald. Told you it was a good one, so do me a favor. Make sure you go ahead and share today's episode. And when you do, make sure you give Carrie a tag. And also, please be sure to give yours truly a tag as well at the Nichols Liberty. Other than that being said, folks, that's all I have for you today. Coming up here tomorrow on Thursday, Jeremy Todd returns to the program. Another sales solo short with you, the audience. So make sure you strap in. You're going to class, folks. With that being said, thanks for joining us here on today's Brian Nichols Show. It's Brian Nichols signing off for Carrie McDonald. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsShow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at BrianNicholsShow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at liberty and consider donating to the show at BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.